me, my initial gut reaction of no was out of fear. I didn't consider myself an entrepreneur at first. I was always the entrepreneur's best friend. I realized that I think my fear was keeping me thinking too small. You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews-Okome. So let's get started. Hey, hey guys, welcome, welcome back to the show. This is Nikayla here, and today in the guest chair, I have Jasmine Foster. Jasmine is the founder of Be Rooted, an inclusively designed stationary brand created to celebrate and uplift women of color. What I really love about Jasmine and her experience is that she started her career in retail on the buying side. And now here she is, someone who has landed as a product and business owner on the shelves of Target, the very company she started out working for. Today, she's going to share how the majority of her career in retail was pushing the boundaries of representation and inclusion, and how that led her to changing the face of the stationery industry with her company, Be Rooted. I really love what Jasmine had to share on everything from starting to even employing her parents now. So let's get right into it. Can you share a little bit about what led you to the retail path and what were the different jobs and experiences you had in retail? Yeah, of course. So I went to Indiana University and I was a marketing major to start off with. And I had this idea that I was going to work in advertising and live in New York and work on cool ad campaigns for Nike and get paid like $25,000 and have four roommates. And then Target came to campus and was like, have you ever thought of a career in retail? And in my head, retail jobs meant only store jobs. Like I never considered who were the people that made the decisions about what was put on shelf. And so after interning at Target and realizing that like you can have a pretty cool career doing retail as well, being a buyer, making the decisions of what Americans get to like buy every day, but also make a little bit more money and not have to have a roommate. I was like, I'm sold. So I started my career at Target. I've worked for Amazon. I've worked for General Mills. Um, and I've worked back at Target. I do two, did two stints at Target, actually. But really, all of it was in the retail buying space, mostly working with emerging categories and innovative spaces, trying to get the next best thing on shelf. And what does retail buying entail? Like, what did that actually mean when you were at Target? Yeah, so... You meet with, you know, 50 to 100 vendors a year and you see what are the newest products that they're going to launch um, for that year. And then you as a buyer get to pick which products makes the most sense for your store. And so it's a really cool job because if you think about the purchasing decisions that people make every single day, you get to kind of influence, you know, what ends up on shelf and then thus what ends up in people's homes. But you also kind of get a peek under the cover of what's the newest and latest trends that these amazing brands are working on kind of before everyone else gets to see it in market. And so that was a really cool thing for me was, especially as I got more passionate about representation and inclusion in the multicultural space was being able to be on the forefront 
of bringing multicultural beauty in a bigger way to Target, which was one of my last jobs there was really focused on the multicultural beauty strategy. And so working with all the amazing dope Black founders that were pushing the boundaries of this space in this category that had often left Black women and brown women without products and and considerations that worked for them. And so that was the really cool thing for me is being able to provide excellent options for people on shelf. When did you start Side Hustle Yourself? I left Target um, about two years ago to be on the front lines of the multicultural beauty industry working for a brand. And while being at the brand, I was one of five people at the time on the leadership team, really getting to see what were the ins and outs of building a business from the bottom up. And I've always considered myself the entrepreneur's friend. Like I'm the, I'm the friend that entrepreneurs would come to ask for advice on, you know, should I consider this? Or what are your thoughts on that? And I, and I never really thought that I would be one myself But in the beginning of 2020, I had this idea kind of stemming back to my old job was I always felt like the home section. So either, you know, wall decor, wall art and stationery lacked representation. And I often had wondered, you know, was a brand ever going to move into this space? Like, why were none of the big guys putting out designs that looked like me? Like they were all very monolithic. And so after not seeing anyone else do it, I was like, well, why am I waiting for someone else to create this? Like I can do this. And now I also have a little bit more insight into how you actually build a brand from the bottom up. And so I believe, you know, taking the leap of faith of leaving corporate America to go work for a small brand gave me the courage to know that I too can do this, that I now understand the ins and outs of actually building a brand from scratch and what it takes to make it successful. Getting that feeling of I can do this is so important in this journey, isn't it? Like really having it click that this is a person just like me, like behind every brand is a person and they're not any smarter than me, you know? I can do this. So once you had that realization, did you have something in mind that you wanted to start or did you just start to feel around with the idea of entrepreneurship? Yeah, so inclusion and representation, I always knew was my passion and my purpose. Um, that has, That has been really clear to me in the last five years. That's the journey that I've been on. The product category of stationery really just came to me thinking about What are areas that I've always felt like lacked representation that I'm also passionate about? So I was always that little girl that the best part of a new school year was buying my new binder or buying a new notebook and getting to decorate my locker. Yes, (laughs) I'm I'm (laughs) with you. (laughs) Right. And even when I became an adult and I got a new job or a new year started, I, I always bought a new planner. But when I made those purchases, I always felt like, gosh, like I'm, I'm, I'm picking something that is okay, but it wasn't exactly what I was looking for. Or wow, why is there, you know, there's these really cute designs of women on them, but like none of them look like me. And so kind of like it came to me overnight, just like brainstorming, like what am I passionate about and how can I take my passion and my purpose and combine them together and that sort of be rooted was started from it was a brand that was 
here to uplift and celebrate women of culture through inclusively designed stationery, while also wanting to be a brand that is putting positive messaging out into the space. Because that's also really important to me as well, is that it's not just about the inclusion, but being a brand that really uplifts Black women and women of color as well. Walk us through your first steps to get started. The first step was, okay, so I know I want to be in this product category, but like, how do you get this stuff made? (laughs) Right. And so one, it was doing lots of research about this category, being a student in the business, getting smart about uh, the operations pieces of it. How do I find a factory? You know, what are the costing dynamics of this category? I'm not an artist by trade, to be clear. Like, I believe I have creative ideas, but I do not have creative hands. And so it was also, you know, what is my plan going to be around getting other artists to believe in my brand? Like, why would someone want to come design for Be Rooted when they can go design for some of the bigger brands? But as I was doing more research, what I uncovered was that less than 1% of designers are African-American across all industries. And actually, historically, they haven't been tapped in the stationary market to do a lot of work. And so a part of my brand ethos is to uplift Black artists and illustrators and provide outlets for them to also showcase their work through my brand. And I dream of one day having a whole staff of Black and Brown designers that are just like cranking out amazing imagery. But it was really getting the nuts and bolts back to your question of who do I want my brand to be? What's important to me? And then how do I get it done? In addition to thinking through all of that, did you also investigate what it would require financially to get started? Oh, yeah. I mean, a thousand percent. Um, You know, when I said, you know, understanding factories and how much does it cost to make products and, you know, what were some of the non-negotiables about things that I wanted to invest in early and what were some things that I felt like could come later on? So like one thing that I don't think a lot of people know is that I actually launched my brand without a logo because I wanted to prove first that people wanted to buy my product. (laughs) And I was like, before I invest thousands of dollars into having someone create a logo, let me put the product out there. And I gave myself a, like a sales goal. And I'm like, if I sell this many journals, I will then go back and invest in a logo, then go back and invest in product photography and all of these things. But I was like, I really wanted to, to have a proof of concept first before I, I invested in it. And I, and I truly believe that the artwork and the mission would speak for itself. And then I would go back and invest. But of course, when you're bootstrapping everything yourself, you definitely have to understand the financials. And then the game changes when you have a mass retailer who wants to, to work with you because that number game is much higher than just doing it yourself on your on your own website. And so at every point along the way, I've had to assess the financial risk, how much it would take for me to make it happen, and then make hard choices about what's important for now and what can I put on the back burner once I have more cash flow to, to work with. I love that. You know, the reason why I love that is I talk a lot about the things that get us stuck, right? And the early phases, those are the places that we usually get stuck in. The early phases, 
minor decisions that don't mean a lot in the big scheme of things that can always be changed mm-hmm. that can always be shifted so mm-hmm. I like that you went forward and you wanted to kind of prove out your idea what did you learn from that process ain't no one noticed that I didn't have a logo like I, I, I one comment question or concern about hey sis like what's the logo here you know what, where's your branding um but Early on, I got a review from a dad who wrote, I bought three journals and I gifted them to my daughters. And when they opened up the box, their eyes lit up. And reading that review still gives me chills to this day because that was the proof of concept that I wanted. It wasn't, I originally had a sales goal in mind that was like, if I sell this many, then that means I'm, I'm on to something. But it was that review of, I bought these journals from my daughters and when they open up the box, their eyes lit up. That was the real testament because that's what I was doing it for, was for that little black girls and women of color can see themselves. And that just instills a level of confidence that, trumps any sales goal. Um, And so that was my learning lesson in the early stages was that forget the sales goal, it's the purpose. And you have to remember always that it's a mirror of your purpose and your passion and then the product coming together that I think will make my brand successful. Absolutely. And I love the fact that when you search for Be Rooted, you know, if you just Google it right now, you are seeing that message right away, right? Like Be Rooted uplifts and celebrates Black women through inclusively designed stationery. So before you even get into what it is, like, let's just stamp this right here. Okay. <laughs> let's be clear of what this is. And that also, do you, do, did you also do that because it just gives you an opportunity to always have a different product mix, like to not cement yourself in any one particular type of stationery? Oh, absolutely. Like I, I, from the beginning, I knew that journals was a start. You have to start somewhere, but A, I want to be the brand that has every category of stationery encompassing in it. And so I don't want to put that we are inclusively designed journals. So that's too narrow. That doesn't give me something to work towards. No, we are a stationary brand. You might find just journals on my page right now, but we, I'm telling you what we're going to be in the future. And, and that is we are a full encompassing stationary brand. But I wanted to lead with the fact that we are uplifting and celebrating women of color first, because that will always be the goal. No matter what the design is, you will always have interwoven messaging that will continue to uplift and celebrate Black women. I think that as long as my company continues to keep the eye on the prize there as we navigate through categories, as we navigate through different artists to work with, as we navigate into what retailers we wanna work with, sticking to the goal of uplifting and celebrating women of color, we will not go wrong if we stay to that mission. What was the process like after you went through that first kind of test, what shifts did you make and how did you prepare for your official launch? I learned from the, the test that, like I said, I got really positive feedback. And so then it was like, okay, it's go time. Like it's time to go back and put some put some more pen to paper around some of the things that I didn't have up front. So 
what do I want my branding to look like? What do I want my marketing to look like? Um, I started going deeper into, you know, how do I actually start to forecast out my supply and my demand for the rest of the year so I'm actually able to keep up because my website sold out. So I was like, okay, like this is something people want, but in order for me to keep this up, I need to invest in understanding supply chain and, and, and making sure that I'm able to actually have enough products to supply my customers. And then one big decision that I think was really pivotal for my brand was hiring a PR firm early on. And that was because I had started having these conversations with retailers and, you know, some of them were interested. Um, and I had a brand that had like 600 followers at this, at this time, like super small. Right. And I was like, I'm not going to win the Instagram game. Like I'm not overnight going to be this brand that goes from 600 followers to, you know, hundred thousand followers overnight. But what I can do is start to slowly get people to like hear about my brand. Like you read about it here, you see this influencer post there. Um, And I invested in a PR agency really early on that could help me grow my brand awareness and start to submit my name with some key influencers um, and key media partners early on. So that when I had my target launch, I had already had a couple of people that were believers of the brand early on that were excited to hear about my news versus me having to try to generate all of that buzz on my own later on. And so I think that was a key moment for me that allowed for when I had the target launch happen for me to kind of hit the ground running. So just so I kind of understand the timeline, how old was the business when you decided to hire a PR firm? So we launched in June of 2020 and I brought a PR firm in October of 2020. And when you brought on the PR firm, what kind of direction did you give them? Did you have a vision in mind of I want to be in XYZ publication or on XYZ show, or I'm trying to get into retail and I want to build a buzz? Like, what was the hope there? Yeah, the the main objective was help me grow my brand awareness. And how do we start to cement Be Rooted as the go-to destination for women of color and stationery? And so that was the objective from day one was my, uh, the fact that you said early on the podcast that when you Google me, you could find me. Right. (laughs) That was, that was not a thing. Yeah. Back in July, Mm. September, I'm in October, you know, if you Googled Be Rooted back then, you were finding some plant company. (laughs) Um, and like, God knows what, I think I was on the second page. Right. Um, and so there was work to be done. So that was right. actually that, so that I'm able to have this conversation with you for you to be able to say that you were able to Google the brand. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yes. That is, that was an objective. <laughs> right. And, and what did this PR firm do specifically that helps that helped you to make those kind of inroads. I mean, there are people listening now who are are on the verge of making this decision and they're not sure if they should invest their money this way, you know, and there are some guests that say, I can't, I'm I'm just going to try to do everything myself. So tell us more about the benefit of that and how they helped you to, you know, now be the top result for your brand name and to get that brand awareness. 
Yeah. So investing in PR is a hard decision, right? Because it's not always going to, and in most cases, not going to turn directly into sales from like that one article. But what we were trying to do is get Be Rooted placed in key top media outlets that would drive people back to my site. So the way that search works is the more kind of links that you have linking people to top outlets or outlets linking back to your website gives you credibility in Google's algorithm, right? And so as you continue to have more people hearing about your brand, searching for your brand yourself, people linking back to your brand. Another thing was that my PR agency also handles influencers for me. And so the more that I was getting mid-tier influencers posting about my brand and celebrities posting about my brand and then people going back to Google then my brand, all of that helps. Now I'm gonna tell you, they was Googling it before and they weren't able to find me. But Mm -hmm. as that, as you continue to have that repetition over time, all of that continues to build up your search. And so to me, what I was hearing from customers were like, oh, I saw your brand from this influencer. Oh, I read about your brand on this page. And all of that together, um, they tell you in marketing that it takes people about six times seeing your brand name before they make a purchase. Like maybe they don't realize that it's six times, but like subconsciously it takes people six times to kind of see something before they decide to make a purchase. And so all of those different hits of your brand being able to come up to somebody's memory all helps in them making them become future customers of yours. And so I realized very early on that um, I didn't have the budget to spend to get the customers. Like a lot of people pay for customers through like big ad campaigns for social following. Um, So I, I didn't have that, but I could work with a great PR agency who was able to help submit me as the go-to stationary brand for women of color in these various magazines. So now let's talk a little bit about your entrance into Target. Now, one would think, okay, you you have experience on the buying side that would help you to know what they're looking for, right? So tell us, how does your experience of having the eyes of a buyer, how did that experience help you to approach Target, pitch Target, or is that even how it happened? Share a little bit more about that. Yeah. So when I launched my brand, a couple of different brokers reached out and said, hey, did you ever consider pitching this brand to Target? So brokers are people who their job is to find the latest and greatest brands and then pitch them to the retail buyers on your behalf. And if the buyer is interested, then you get a meeting. So I had a couple of brokers reach out and ask me if I was interested in pitching to Target. And I was like, no, like this was a side hustle. <laughs> <laughs> like, this was supposed to be like a passion project. Side hustle. Yeah. I had this website that would be running on the side while I did mm-hmm. my five, like low effort. You know, I, I honestly wish I would have told, like you could say that when I first launched this brand, my desire was to be in Target. It wasn't that my desire wasn't to be in Target, but I definitely wasn't considering it like year one. You know what I'm saying? Um, Right, right. This was very much so supposed to be a side hustle. So I talked it over with my mom. I talked it over with a couple of mentors and they're like, 
Jasmine, you're crazy. Like if your goal is representation and inclusion, why would you not take the time to have the conversation? And I think for me, my initial gut reaction of no was out of fear. Because like I told you, I consider myself an entrepreneur at first. I was always the entrepreneur's best friend. I never considered myself, you know, having a brand at Target in year one because I was thinking this is a side hustle. Wow. I realized that I think my fear was keeping me thinking too small. Mm, speak about it. Say um, it again. And so I had, I'm thankful that I had mentors and my mom to be like, Jasmine, pray about it. But I think God is calling you to do something bigger. Um, and so when I got the opportunity to pitch the target, I was so blessed that the buyer believed in my brand, believed in my story and understood what I wanted to do and just got behind what we were trying to do very quickly and said, you know, if you're able to figure this out operationally, you, you know, we'll, we will give you the opportunity to address the question of if being a retail buyer has helped. What I will tell you is that it helps you understand what questions to ask. So, you know, I, I know that I need to ask, what does margin in this category? What does success look like? You know, when, how many times do you transition? You know, how often are promos? Who pays for what? Like I knew the questions to ask. It doesn't prepare you to figure out how to do it. <laughs> because honestly, as a buyer on the retail side, you don't care to dig into how these brands make this stuff work. You just know you want X product and brand A gives you X product, but you don't dig into the details of how they make that happen. And so I was very much a student of the business having to figure out how to like get this thing going. Like how do I actually operationally give Target the product they're looking for on time with the import factory? So I will say that that was still the work of me having to figure that out for myself and leaning on partners and peers in my network. But me having the experience of being a buyer at least set me up to understand what were those right questions to ask. But I was able to fairly analyze the opportunity to understand if it was something that I could do or not do. And what ultimately led you to decide to do it? Prayer. I, 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 I truly believe that, and I posted about this recently, that God had much bigger plans for me. And he was really calling me to, to bet on myself and to think bigger. And instead of just saying that I was the entrepreneur's best friend, truly believing that I was the entrepreneur um, and that I had the right <laughs> to do this for myself and to, to, to believe in the things that were important to me. Um, and so when I thought about kind of back to that review of someone saying that they bought these journals for their daughters and their eyes lit up, I thought about the impact of you being at a mass retailer and having women of color walking through that aisle and girls of color walking through that aisle each and every day and being able to potentially have that same experience. And that was what made me say yes. It wasn't about necessarily the brand growth. It wasn't about the fact that this like, you know, takes my brand to a different level. It was about being able to have greater impact faster. Of course, yes, you know, with my website, I would continue to get eyes on it. 
But going into a mass retailer allows for you to get your eyes on your brand, a thousand people walking down the aisle daily in a very different way than you hoping someone finds your brand um, through your efforts. And so that was what made me say yes, is remembering my why and thinking about the impact that I could have. One thing that stood out to me, you mentioned that this was something you wanted to do on the side and have it be low key, low effort. Now, how did your business shift once you were in Target and you were meeting these demands and, you know, are you doing this yourself? Tell us more about the shift in your business. Yeah, so I have, it's me, my mother, who is my only full-time employee and my father who likes to call himself the volunteer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I so love that. We are, it's a family business. Um, family affair, okay. And what's, you know, slight tangent is that my mother was actually working at Target prior to my being at retail at mm-hmm. it. And during the pandemic, her store had a couple of different COVID scares. And my mom, my mom actually ended up having COVID twice. I hope she wouldn't mind me sharing that. Um, and it got mm-hmm. to a place where we were just like, okay, you like, this is getting scary. Um, yeah. I'm so thankful that my brain was able to grow enough for me to be able to bring my mother on full time to help support the, the, the brand and to believe in my mission and to get her out of the stores. But when you launch into a mass retailer or, you know, and, and have this level of growth, you have to really be good at managing your time. And so I'm very clear every day on what I need to do for the business. I'm very good at delegating it to the tasks to other people. I know I said I have one full-time person to volunteer, but I also have other contractors that work for me. And I'm very clear about what I'm going to do, very clear at delegating out to other people what needs to be done. And also setting it up for a way of like not biting off more than I can chew. So really being clear about what I want to do that is going to be revenue driving and it's going to have a positive impact. And sometimes that means saying no to some of the fun stuff, um, but I just don't have the time to do it right now. So I'm an early riser. I wake up at about 5 a.m. every day um, and my my nine to five starts at nine. So I have, a, I have a lot of time between five to nine to just crank out stuff, which is amazing because when you work with vendors over in China, like you're able to kind of catch a little bit of time of them being up too. And then at night, um, again, with my factory is open, um, they start working around 9 p.m. Eastern time. So I'm able to crank out a lot at night as well. And so I just have to learn how to manage my time effectively. I'm glad that you mentioned that because, you know, I am wondering how you are juggling, you know, you like to call your two main hustles (laughs) and making it work. So getting up earlier is definitely going to be needed in that kind of situation. And not everyone makes money as they are side hustling, as they are starting, especially once they get into a major retailer. Um, What has been your experience? Yeah, so I mean, bootstrapping is a constant cash flow battle. (laughs) You are constantly having to consider every single dollar that you're spending. But a lot of people may not know when you're working with retailers or 
even if it's not someone as big as Target, it may be, I have my brain is in the National Museum of African-American Music. My brain is in a couple of gift shops in the Southeast, but most of them work on some form of payment terms. So you might be shipping product out, but you may not get paid for, you know, 30 to 120 days, depending on the specific retailer, right? Right. Um, so you you are constantly trying to figure out, you know, how do you support by buying more inventory while also kind of playing the waiting game to get paid? Knock on wood, hopefully this year be re- will be profitable. However, you know, we're always constantly our eye on the prize on what's next. And so a lot of what's happening right now is me figuring out how do I continue to reinvest back into the business to take it to the next level, whether that's, you know, me being able to expand into other product categories or me able to, you know, bring on other people full time to kind of take more off my plate to make it more manageable and just to really continue to elevate the business. And so the goal right now is, I feel like if I just had money in the bank sitting, this is not a savings account. (laughs) I'm not looking for that. I'm looking to figure out how to continue to reinvest into my business so that I can continue to take it to the next level. And what does the next level look like for you? You know, my dream is that Be Rooted is the go-to stationary brand for all women of color that when you walk into people's homes that they have, my journal or my, my planner or my calendar or my, you know, um, coffee mug, like in their home, um, that to me would to bring me joy is that, you know, it becomes one of those staple things that, you know, most people have in their household. Love it. Love it. (laughs) You know, this is just really inspiring. And I hope that everyone listening will be able to take from this and just understand that it's hard, but it can be done in any niche, anything, anything you're passionate about, anything that you're interested in, like at least try, you know, and I like the fact that you shared that you were intimidated by something and you, you had to pray about it. You had to really think about it. We all go through that, but ultimately you were able to come to the right decision for you like that with time, the answers do reveal themselves. Yes, absolutely. So now we're going to jump into a quick lightning round. You know, the deal you're going to answer the very first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? Yes. Number one, what is a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? I live by Canva. Um, I cannot hire a graphic designer to make all the different graphics for my uh, social site, but I'm also not an artist by trade. And so Canva is an amazing website that allows for people who are novices at design, create decent to great quality graphics that can be used on social and allows for you to kind of keep that money in your pocket until you're ready to spend it. So I I love Canva. All right. Number two, who is an entrepreneur that you admire and why? I would say Beatrice from Honeypot. She's relentless and joyful at the same time. And I, and I love that she's completely disrupting an industry that was kind of stale for quite some time. 
Um, and so she's just someone that she's so clear about her purpose and her why and what she has planned for her business. And she's just always someone that I look to and want to model myself off of. Number three, what is a non-negotiable part of your day? Sleep. Number four, what is a personal habit that you believe has helped you significantly as you were side hustling? I think people underestimate the power of your friendships and your connections and mentorship and networking. I try to intentionally reach out to people within my network to set up time um, on a weekly basis and just continuing to nurture and foster those relationships and pour back into my friends. Because you never know when you are going to need to lean into that relationship yourself. And I'm not saying that everything needs to be tit for tat, but what I will say is that there's been pivotal moments with Be Rooted where I've been able to leverage the insights of my network. And if I didn't have those people at critical steps, I would not have made the right decision. And so take the time to foster your relationships and nurture them in a very genuine way. And finally, number five, what is your parting advice for fellow Black women entrepreneurs who want to start their own business but are afraid of side hustling? Someone once told me that if you have the chance to bet on yourself, do it every time. I, I think my leak was the one who said that, but to build on it is if you don't think that your company wouldn't do what's right for them, no matter what, you're kidding yourself. And so take the time to bet on yourself. But more than that, first figure out what you're passionate about and what's your purpose. Because if you're ordering your steps behind your passion and your purpose, you're going to hit 10 out of 10. And what a note to end this on. I mean, Jasmine, it has been an absolute pleasure chatting with you and to hear your story. And where can people connect with you online and on social after this episode? Yeah, so you can connect with me at my account is at the Jasmine Foster or on my business account at Be Rooted Co. All right, guys. And there you have it. You can get all the show notes from this episode over at SideHustlePro.co. And I will talk to you next week. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other side hustlers just like you to find the show. And if you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Side Hustle Pro. Plus, sign up for my six-foot Saturday newsletter at sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter. When you sign up, you will receive weekly nuggets from me, including what I'm up to, personal lessons, and my business tip of the week. Again, that's sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter to sign up. Talk to you soon.